This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I'm really excited to have a great conversation with Ellie Deutsch. Ellie is the Associate Director of Digital and Social Media at Garrett Popcorn, which is an iconic brand that delivers handcrafted happiness around the globe each day with their signature handcrafted gourmet popcorn. And I really wish I was eating some now, but I'm sure it would mess up the sound. Ellie has been working in the digital space for the last seven years. She's created, executed, and managed social media communities for over 350 companies, athletes, celebrities, organizations, and brands. So she's got a lot of experience here. And over the years, she's developed her methodologies from her work at her own consulting company, years at Weber Shanwick, and time spent launching the Chicago Red Stars of the National Women's Soccer League. She's also a speaker. She's done phenomenal stuff in the space, and I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Welcome, Ellie! Thanks, Carrie. Hi, everybody. That was a warm welcome, and I really appreciate the introduction. Um, I'm happy to be here and really excited to share my insights and talk to everybody. Well, I'm really excited to have you here because, you know, your intro really says it all. You've done a lot of different things, uh, specifically in the realm of social media. So I would love to hear the story of how you got started and heading right into kind of where you are today. I actually am on the cusp of the millennial era where I'm just uh, qualifying for a millennial. So I um, actually was in college when Facebook started. Yeah. Um, and it was about um, towards the end of my college career. And I started to use it even before Facebook events started being a thing as an event marketing tool for a lot of the organizations that I was a part of. And I was also a studio art and anthropology major. So I love studying people and cultures, but I was really digital savvy because I focused on um, video and graphic design. So for me, um, it really started young and I was fortunate enough to have that social networking component while I was in um, undergrad. And then I, you know, got out and had no idea what I wanted to do with a liberal arts degree, um, but I had played soccer all my life, and I had noticed via a Facebook update from a friend of mine that I used to play soccer with um, that uh, she was playing in this new women's professional soccer league. So I looked him up, found a team in Chicago, found that they were looking for a graphic design and video intern, and turned it into a six-month no-paid internship driving out to the whole other side of Chicago um, to the stadium um, and turned it into a two-and-a-half-year job. So I got to handle a little bit of everything, um, being a small startup company. Um, but it was, you know, living my dreams, working with some of the best professional players and coaches in the world. 
um, and really, really great um, opportunity for me. And I started networking a lot um, with the social media um, outreach that we were doing and would go to a lot of events, including Social Media Club, which is an international nonprofit organization um, that I'm still a part of today. Actually, I'm on the executive board. Um, but it started basically, you know, as a tweet up with other people around Chicago and, um, you know, kind of merged into later, a couple of years later, somebody direct messaged me on Twitter with a job opportunity at Weber Shandwick. I started working there, a whole different ball game as it's a, you know, global PR organization and yes. working on really the start of their digital, uh, you know, community community management, strategy, analytics, and everything that they've built as their empire today. Um, and I, with that experience that I had, especially working with athletes and training individuals and companies, um, I started my own consulting company that was focused on digital communication and social media strategies um, for all types of organizations from apps to tech startups to nonprofits to um, global Fortune 500 brands and everything else in between. Um, so that led me to Garrett where I started consulting and about a week into my job, they said, Hey, could you actually run our global digital marketing and social media? And I said, that's, you know, an amazing opportunity. It's iconic brand, especially in Chicago. And I'd love to be a part of a growing organization. So, um, I've been here for a little over a year and a half and, um, still, you know, leading global social media, which is near and dear to my heart and using the different methodologies that I teach and train on and also speak on um, at different events over the around the world. So that is an amazing story. And just listening to you, I can think of a million things that uh, our listeners can really benefit from. So I have a couple of questions for you based off of that story. Sure. It sounds like your internship really led to the start of your career. Is that right? Absolutely. And so are you a big fan of internships? Do you recommend I'm a, them? I think everybody needs to start somewhere and learning from the ground level, no matter what type of company or organization you're in, is essential to be a stepping stone between your education um, or wherever you came from into, you know, even a new career path. And you mentioned in that that after you'd taken the internship and you started working there, you were doing a lot of networking, getting getting involved in the social media club and obviously now on the board. Do you think that that's the step, is that the key that helped you grow within that time? Because you went from this kind of starting up as an internship to really working on the women's soccer and going through that. Do you think that networking is what helped you kind of pivot and go through to Weber Shanwick, do all of that? Do you recommend that strongly? Yes, very strongly. I think networking is the key to the success in social media. You can meet people online all day, every day, but until you create and foster those offline relationships, you never really know the true value of this world of digital that we have. Um, so think about, you know, 10 years ago, this wasn't a thing. You didn't meet strangers um, that you met online, you know, as nearly as much as you do today or in a big group or meeting setting. And I've, um, you know, had um, different colleagues or friends or, you know, even bosses that I've met online first then forged into, um, you know, valuable um, relationships after that. Um, so it's pretty great to see, you know, what a tweet here or a LinkedIn, you know, uh, personal customized message can do there. Um, and I think, you know, you don't get what you don't ask for. So it's really great to put yourself out there. And I remember, I mean, I'm a very outgoing person, but when I was, you know, 22 out of college and networking, I had no idea what I was doing. And yep. I'd be so timid to go up to big groups of people that were at an event and say like, hi, can I join in? 
in, you know, but I just kind of swallowed my pride a little bit and went in and then people would ask what I do and I got more comfortable telling them about the Chicago Red Stars and what we were building and, you know, what my brand was like in that within the company's brand. And I mean, that's the invaluable part is the connectivity and the opportunity to network with people as well as build your own personal brand is huge. And, you know, you're a representation of your company. So if you have a great personal brand, that's always something to um, build on. And, you know, that goes online as well. If you have a great following and you've built up and you've focused and not, you know, bought your followers or anything, um, then you're, you know, setting yourself up to succeed in the long run. So if you're authentic in the space, you'll you'll make deeper connections in real life if you form them kind of initially online. A hundred percent agree. So I loved your advice, actually, that you had in there, because my next question was going to be along the lines of so many millennials. And I know you're at the top end of the millennial spectrum, which is a little different than when you're further, you know, really, really further in um, and a younger millennial. So many of them, when I speak to them, express um, kind of fear and trepidation around the in-person networking. And I loved what you said about that, how you had fear as a 22-year-old, but you kind of just pushed through and forced yourself to do it. Is that the way to do it, you think? Just push yeah, everybody's different, but you know, again, I underneath am an outgoing person, but put me in a room of people I don't know. You know, you really do have to put yourself out there and step outside of your comfort zone. I think you know, you really uh, don't know the opportunity until you talk to people, and yep. you never know if this could be your next best friend or your relationship yep. or your boss or you know something that. I mean, I've had clients, for example, that have I met six years ago at a networking event and never thought of since then, and then they um, said, "Hey, I used to work." with you. Could you help me? And my company will pay you this much money. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You know, these are old contacts that I didn't think were, you know, relationships I could build off of. And look where they got me, you know, in my consulting business. It's amazing. And speaking of your consulting business, I'm really interested in when you took that leap from Weber to go to start your own consulting business, what gave you, what gave you the confidence? What, what kind of pushed you to be ready to do that? Because that's a huge step to go off on your own from working at kind of this big global agency. So in doing that, what, what was kind of the thing that gave you the confidence to do it? You know, um, it was definitely a big leap of faith, um, mm-hmm. but I had been um, kind of formalizing this idea all along because I had, you know, even U.S. national team players that are playing in the World Cup now, I was helping them run and lead their digital strategy and also some of their social media channels. Um, athletes are, you know, notorious for having assistants or social companies or people that um, help them with um, their execution because they can't handle the millions of people that right. reply to them every day. Um, and I realized that, you know, I worked with a lot of top name athletes and coaches while I was at Weber Shanwick on different, you know, Fortune 500 accounts um, for specific activations. And a lot of the athletes I worked with still didn't understand the true value and opportunity in social media. And so I thought, you know, I really should start with athletes. That's where I have a niche and build on um, even sports um, agencies and different companies that focus in sports um, because I know the space well and because I know that um, there's there's a lot of money in the space and people need the help. And so that's really what it was all about is um, I knew what I was doing was great at, at Weber Shanwick, but uh, for a bigger impact, I wanted to specifically focus on training and educating people on how to better um, manage market and strategize around their social and digital marketing capabilities. And did you have 
the sort of risk fear in terms of going out on your own and kind of abandoning that every, you know, biweekly or weekly paycheck? You know, was it scary for you to jump and do it on your own? And looking back, are you glad that you did it? Uh, great question. I was definitely thinking about that and not realizing it until I was dead broke later in the yeah. year. Yeah. And um, But that was the sacrifice that I made and I loved what I was doing and I was living my every day and, um, you know, uh, networking everywhere to try and build my business. And once, you know, I, the first year was a struggle for sure, but a good struggle that led me to be a stronger person, a better networker, a better, you know, um, new business uh, picture, yes. um, a little bit of everything. I mean, I was doing everything for my company, and um, but it was just me. So, you know, there's no overhead, and there's a lot of ways that I could get around other, you know, day-to-day -day things that are frustrating with a full-time job. Um, and really, you know, I, I struggled, and I came up from it, and I continued to build off of it, and I, rolled a, I built a really profitable and, and fun consulting business um, that I love doing every day. And it was, um, of course, a very um, hard decision to make that um, jump back into corporate to come to Garrett Popcorn. But, you know, like I said, it's a phenomenal company with um, amazing opportunities and such a good um, growing business that, um, and I love the brand knowing it all my life here in Chicago. Um, so for me, you know, it was, it was another risk I had to take and a transition I had to get used to. Um, but you know, I still keep in contact with a lot of my old consulting clients who will call and ask for a favor or ask me what to do here or there. And I'm of course happy to help them because they built up really good relationships. It must've been difficult to build up, you know, as in a successful sort of entrepreneur, building this up and then going to work for a brand. But it sounds like you're just so passionate about Garrett's that it's, that it kind of was worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've known this brand and every, we say everybody here has their own Garrett story. And, you know, mine was that when I was a, a, a child, I would come into the city and hang out with my grandma and we'd go see the Marshall Fields holiday windows and then yeah. go to Garrett popcorn and, um, you know, such a treat and a celebration. And that's exactly what the brand is still about today. So we're a 65 year old brand rooted in Chicago, but we have shops worldwide um, and we're continuing to grow and build and we're a privately owned company, a non-franchise model, and we're doing it so strategically and purposefully that it, it's almost for the greater good of, you know, the communities that we're in. Once people know about Garrett Popcorn and the handcrafted happiness we make, they really want it everywhere. Um, and, you know, having seven high-quality locally sourced ingredients really isn't, it makes it not the worst snack food you could have. Um, and so it is a treat and it is something that's a luxury good that you get either at our shops or online on our website. I love it. And I love the passion that you have for the brand. It's clear, uh, even just as we're, as we're talking, tell me a little bit about the social media strategy and how you're kind of executing that across the web. Yeah, so we're really um, lucky to have an organization that understands from the top down that social media is a brand marketing and awareness building channel for us. Um, we, you know, have been really activating the space for about six years um, as a brand, but the last year or two have really been focused on social and different marketing tactics that we can use to try and reach more fans. So for us, really, our strategy lies in that we want to, you know, grow awareness of our brand worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, we really want to, of course, sell more Garrett Popcorn at the end of the of day and drive people to our website. Um, but we really want to those UGC stories and different types of interactions and 
and one-to-one relationships. I mean, I can't tell you how many great bloggers or social media influencers that I've met or even just random fans from the street um, that I see them and I talk to them and I hear their story and we share it on, you know, all of our social pages or our blog or even in our email marketing um, because those our fans are the center of everything we do and they drive the brand. So, um, you know, why wouldn't we share their story? It's almost free marketing for us. Of course. And so it sounds like it's the primary goal is really creating awareness, right, to ultimately impact sales, but that also it's the engagement from your biggest fans that are getting those stories that you can then repurpose for content to generate greater awareness, right? Is that Ab- is that what we're looking at? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. And then so when you're coming up uh, with your content, how are you doing that and how are you managing it? Is it just you internally? Is there a big team uh, internally? Are you using external resources? How do you get it all done? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, unlike a lot of other big global corporations, I mean, we're a pretty small global corporation, but we um, have a very resourceful small team here. So it's myself and one other, um, she's a social media specialist and then five creative people. And we all sit together about a month out, uh, you know, and brainstorm ideas. What, you know, what do we have going on from a events and marketing perspective? Are there any promotions? Are there new flavors? Are there new tin designs? Um, and are there holidays or events or things happening in our different shop markets? Um, and we really just sit there and brainstorm all the great ideas, um, Um, that we can for the following month. And then we kind of put things into motion and start writing content together and um, collaborate. It's mostly myself and my social media specialist. And then we kind of build that out and bring it back to the team and review everything once again and review it with our bosses and then go from there. Um, But we try to, you know, be as strategic and um, forethinking as possible um, and get people, you know, all on the same page. So everybody's aware of what's going out at what time and when. And, you know, a lot of um, our content strategy is driven by our analytics. Um, Our um, numbers tell the story. So if we know something is successful one day or week, then we're going to, you know, replicate it again and see if it's a trend we can continue to follow or a storyline we can stay on and then, you know, move forward from there. Um, so what works for us on Facebook doesn't necessarily work for us on Instagram and is different than the conversations we have on Twitter and what we post on Tumblr. So, um, you know, we have a lot of different channels that we activate on, especially in the U.S. as our global brand. Um, but we all kind of strategize around what the content will be um, here. And then we oversee agency partnerships um, with different um, PR and social agencies in our international markets that we, um, again, Skype brainstorm. Um, um, every month and then go forward and um, look at reviewed content calendars and then um, execute creative needs and build it off of that. Love it. And so what's your favorite thing you've ever done for Garrett's? Yeah, well, we had a really fun, I mean, uh, opportunity last year. We celebrated our 65th anniversary on September 18th of 2014. And, um, you know, it's a pretty momentous occasion for us. And we haven't really ever, we're a very celebratory brand, but we had never had a grandiose celebration like this one. So um, we had, um, you know, giveaways throughout the week leading up to people that were sharing their 65th um, anniversary stories with us. So any type of relationship to the brand. Um, 
We had a trolley that went all over Chicago, and we took photos and videos of our fans um, as we passed out complimentary Garrett popcorn samples mm -hmm. and had, you know, news stations and radio stations and everybody talking about Garrett. And, in fact, the mayor declared September 18th as Garrett Popcorn Shop's Day Love because it. of the celebration. And, you know, from an online perspective, we were, you know, live tweeting and sharing photos all over the place and stories from our fans. And um, also um, we had the biggest promotion in history um, for the brand where we um, were started in 1949. So we started um, a uh, $19.49 tin um, online um, to, you know, promote the celebration. And we sold 5,000 tins in nice. less than 24 hours, which was the highest frequency we've had outside of our holiday season. So from a holistic perspective, you know, the celebration in real life with the social components and our email messaging and e-commerce, as well as um, kind of the news and PR picked up around that was truly um, an amazing activation for us and a celebration of our brand. And what would you say overall is the biggest challenge facing you at Garrett's? That's a great question for us. Um, it's probably resources because, you know, like I mentioned, we're two people running social um, and, you know, that I, my other person is dedicated entirely to um, our domestic social media. So, um, especially when we're reviewing content calendars, they all come in on the same week and we're trying to get things done and executed and in time to get creative, to spit out some beautiful imagery and photography. Um, and so... For us, it's it's definitely time challenging. Staff, yeah, resources. That's but we're hard. a small company and we're growing, so you know I hope we have a team of ten or twenty people in the coming years um, that can help us lead our um, global social media initiatives. That's awesome. And so tell me, Ellie. So you've been in this a long time. You mentioned you're at the high end of millennial. Talk to me a little bit about how working in social media affects your personal social media usage. Does it make you more obsessed, like you want to be online all the time and more connected, or does it make you want to shut off when you're done with your day? Like, where are you in that space? Um, I am a very old school minded millennial, I will say. So when yes. I'm off, I want to be off. Like off. if I'm going camping, I'm off the grid, you know, yep. or if I'm on vacation, I, I try to be off the grid, but that usually only happens when I go out of the country and my excuse is I don't have internet. <laughs> um, so ideally, you know, I mean, I'm on all the time and I love it. So it doesn't bother me. You know, I'll get Twitter notifications and Instagram likes and follows and messages and whatever it is all the time, nights and weekends when I'm not in the office. We try to do the majority of our work, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, but yep. things come up all the time. And, you know, because our focus is on our customers, I mean, we want to give them answers in real time and not ignore them because if they have a problem at our shops or with their order that they got delivered by UPS or something, you know, we need to be there um, to direct them to our customer experience team to give them, you know, um, you know, a, a comp order or a, you know, feedback, uh, some sort of, you know, um, discount or, you know, promotion back for yep. their time. Um, so for us, I mean, I, I like being always on. It's embedded in my nature now that I've been doing this for the past seven or eight years. Um, and, you know, Twitter, especially for me, is my always on channel. Um, Instagram I use as my kind of personal photography um, and, you know, day in the life. Here's what's happening. Um, but those are two of my most public and used channels from a personal perspective. And those happen to be channels that were on socially for Garrett all the time. 
Um, so, you know, we're reposting and sharing images. Um, if it's at 12 o'clock on a Friday night or, you know, six o'clock on a Sunday morning, whenever, you know, we have our staff on um, and, and checking channels. Um, but usually our shop are open from, you know, 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Um, or give or take a couple hours um, on each end. So we get most conversations from our fans um, during that time. Got it. And so based off of all of your answers, it's clear that you really are a true social lady. So now we're going to play our favorite new game of season two. It's called Likeable, Lovable, and my favorite non-word, loathable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name for you something that is taking place in social media or across the internet, and you will tell me whether you think it is likable, lovable, or loathable. And you can feel free to say why, or you can just give your gut, your immediate reaction. Okay, okay? great. This sounds fun. Okay. Here we go. Let's start. Selfies. Likeable, loathable, lovable. Likeable. I am not a. I'm not a fan of the selfie stick, but I understand the amazing pictures that you get from them. Um, but you know, in right time and right place, selfies are one of the best things that were ever created. And groupies, even where you have a massive group of people taking a big selfie. Um, Ooh, but I, groupies. Yeah, I, I love that term. Um, but there is a slight overuse of selfies and um, a, a bad way that people use selfies, you know, just by showing too much of themselves in some narcissistic way that it's like, all right, come on, dude, you're like, we've seen enough of your like abs, washboard abs with your shirt off or like some pretty girl with you know, like a new makeup, you know, do or whatever it is. Um, so there's definitely like within context and within, you know, reasoning, a, a great way to use selfies for your brand or your personal you know, brand at any capacity. Love it. The live streaming movement. So Periscope, Meerkat, all of that stuff, the recent, the recent live streaming movement. So lovable. I think um, video marketing and mobile marketing is where social media has taken us. I mean, we've been talking about the year of mobile for like four years. And um, I think videos are what are changing the game for marketers. So the reason that uh, Meerkat, Periscope, even Snapchat, and even Instagram video have become relevant is because it's something that we didn't have with Twitter um, and Facebook when they first launched, or even LinkedIn, you know. So the the um, capabilities there are, are just just starting out, and um, we're actually doing our first live on Periscope event tomorrow um, at our one-year shop anniversary at Water Tower Shop in Chicago. Um, so I'm really excited about the potential of where that will take us as a brand and how we can continue to stay relevant on Periscope um, and other you know video marketing channels. Love it. South by Southwest. Ooh, so this is a fun one because I've actually never been to South By. Um, I've been always that person on the computer behind the scenes setting everything up and executing while somebody else goes to the event. Um, And then the last couple of years I've been trying to go, but um, I haven't found a reason and I haven't gotten a hotel room early enough. Um, (laughs) And so I'm going to have to say now with the transition, I respect it and I like it. But it's starting to be now that other conferences and events are yeah. available, 
uh, somewhat loathable. I don't a really want to say. I've, I've been, and I, I would go with a little loathable. Yeah, and I, and I'm, honestly, the feedback I heard, whether it's somebody that went for the first time or somebody that went for the eighth time um, this year, they said it was starting to be um, not as special as it used to be. Yes. And absolutely. so I'm not as um, on the path that I have to, have to, have to go next year. But I, of course, would love to and experience it for myself to make my own, you know, judgment off of that. Here we go, Ellie. Are you ready for your final likable, lovable, loathable question? Yeah. Food porn, taking pictures of your food at a restaurant. Ooh, tough one. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to go middle of the road and say likable because, again, you can um, overuse that. And I am a big proponent of um, food pictures. I'm a big foodie. I work at a food brand. Um, We create handcrafted happiness, so we take a lot of pictures of our Garrett popcorn. Um, But there are definitely some people that over do it. And now with the whole blogger influencer scene, anybody can, you know, take the most beautiful photos you've ever seen of the food and recipes that they make and put it on Pinterest and become like the next big thing. Um, but I know people that also every single meal they take will take, you know, or they eat, will take a picture and post it. And all you see is just horrible take horrible Gross. pictures of their yes. food yes. as opposed to like, hey, I had this really glamorous meal or I made this own from scratch really yeah. personal like, you know, family recipe, like stuff like that where it's more authentic and like salad. a unique experience. Yeah. Right. So food <laughs> porn is, is likable for sure. It's I likeable. love it, but I also see it uh, in a loathable way. So I'm going to put it middle of the road with likable. Well, you know, Ellie, it's kind of like the selfies. Like, artfully well-done selfies are lovable, and really bad selfies are loathable. Same thing with food. Gorgeous food pictures, lovable. And then pictures of, like, your gross half-eaten tuna salad, loathable. That's where <laughs> I am. I'm, like, really I'm, – I'm with you on the likable front, though. I'm on that same spectrum, yeah. I love it. I love it. And, Ellie, where should people follow you and follow Garrett's? And just give us a little shout-out so we know where to connect with you. Absolutely. So uh, I'd love for you guys all to connect with me. I'm open to chatting at any point and even meeting in person. Um, and you can find me um, all across the web at Ellie Deutsch. Um, it's really easy. I have a good, unique name, so you can Google me and I'll pop up. Um, and you can uh, also follow Garrett Popcorn at Garrett Popcorn on all of our social channels as well. Awesome. And you are one fabulous social lady, Ellie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Gary. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast was brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likeable.com for more information today.